This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Race Again. To say that the COVID-19 pandemic has challenged conventional thinking about how we work is an understatement. It's actually dramatically changed the way we work, breaking paradigms and revolutionizing the rules that have bound corporations for decades. Once the thought of working from home was not just rejected outright, it was even laughed at as an impossibility. How things have changed. It's almost funny how when the pandemic hit and the world went into shutdown, the most resistant the companies that they both faced about working from home, of course, they had no choice. The amazing thing is that business went on as usual. Employees who had been resistant to technology embraced it because their career survival depended on it. Companies pivoted, new apps, platforms and portals became the primary way of communicating and doing business. And we enter a new era of keeping the world running from home. As more and more people get vaccinated and as infection rates start slowing down, we might all be able to venture forth again from our homes and back to our offices. But will we go back to working the same way as before or will this trend of working from home continue? Will employers have to meet employee expectations and what could these expectations be? It's the last Monday of the month and as usual, I have Human Equation founder Sheila Singham with me to discuss the future of work trends and what we can expect. So Sheila, do you think we'll go back to working full-time in offices when the pandemic has passed? The question is, why would we want to do that when we've done relatively well the past year and a half? I think, Rita, that employers who expect that are really asking for trouble. For the longest time, employees themselves believe the myth perpetuated by employers that they couldn't work from home because it was just being fed to them that efficiency and productivity can only happen if they come to the office, sit there under the watchful eye of the bosses from you know, eight to 10 hours. And bosses also could not believe that people would perform and meet expectations if they were not directly under their noses. Could he? Nobody believes that anymore. They don't believe they need to go back to an office, physical office, and work full time there under the watchful eye of their bosses, uh, you know, for the company companies to continue running. Right. And it's also like a, a perception, right? Just because I see you uh, doesn't mean you're working. You can actually be doing something else as well. <laughs> you and I have worked there. <laughs> All right. So Sheila, do you think that there are actually employers who will expect people to go back to the office full time? Uh, okay, Frida, it's so funny that there are already employers making their employees go back to the office whenever the SOPs allow it right? Under the whatever restricted movement order. When the minute people say, oh, you can go back to the office, they're saying, no, no, you must come back to office. Okay. So for some, so many of these industries where which are being allowed to operate already, they're insisting the staff go back to the office five days a week. And I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and I recently read a statement by David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, right? Um, they of the infamous 1MDB scandal. <laughs> and he has called remote work an aberration and rejects it as a permanent work format. So you've got people like that in major corporations. Huh? So, of course, and they're supposed to be sort of like enlightened and all that. So what about the smaller mom and pop, you know, kind of smaller companies, right? So I don't understand this rationale. If when a full MCO was implemented and everyone was told to work from home and they did it effectively, 
why not continue to allow it? People's mindsets have changed. All right. So for some of these employees that I've spoken to who are asked to go back to work, they're already having a lot of resentment. And I can tell you if they can go to another company which allows them to work from home, they're just going to go. You know, I was having a conversation uh, with someone uh, just a few weeks back and, um, you know, it was an HR professional. She's saying that, you know, you should actually start preparing now to think of this, uh, you know, this flexi working thing now and not just wait until the pandemic ends because that's the the future. And it's also, if you look at it from, I guess, from a business perspective, it's risk management, right? Um, You are preparing yourself. Should another pandemic, should something like this happen again, right? How 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 strong is your organization? Should something of this happen again? Something of this nature happen again? God forbid. But, you know, we know that it can happen, right? So I know how are ex- employee expectations going to shape the way we work then moving forward to a post-pandemic era? Very interesting because a few years ago, Frida, I was doing a training program and I asked a group of participants what their dream organization was. You know, it was just an exercise. And they replied that it would be able to, you know, it would be the ability to work from home at least three days a week. Of course, at that time, we all had a good laugh saying, hey, you're so idealistic, you know, this will maybe happen in a utopian world. And today it's happening, Right. So I recently read a report from McKinsey and Co. that said that post-pandemic, most employees want to work from home three days a week and more than 25% said, you know what I said earlier, that they would consider switching jobs if their companies go back to full-time work in the office. So, yep, this is going to impact uh, human resource policies and employment. Uh, moving and someone was saying, right, you know, uh, um, there's no uh, employer-employee market because talent is talent, right? If you want the right talent to join you, right, uh, you, you, you need to look out for the, you, you want the best, right? And these are the expectations already. Now, what are some of the things uh, employees are going to want uh, in the new era of working? Oh, there's so many. I don't even know where to start. Having you know spoken to people here and there, okay. Look, let me let's just start with where they work. All right. Now, to be really honest, Frida, I don't think there'll be people who just say, "I want to work from home five days a week." There are some like that, but let's face it, many of us miss the camaraderie of going to the office, meeting people, those relationships that are outside of the personal relationships, family relationships and all that. So while digitalization has allowed many of us to be connected, you know, with with the world, brought down geographical boundaries and all that, because we've been in isolation, been forced to, in a way it has paradoxically also caused us to be very disconnected, Mm. right, from each other. So I think, frankly, people are going to be willing to adopt a hybrid approach to working where they're allowed to work from home a certain number of days a week, probably more days they are in at home than at the office, maybe three plus two, mm. and go to the re- office the rest of the week so that they can have a face-to-face interaction, you know, those coffee breaks, lunchtime gossip together, after-hour stuff when we are allowed to go out now. You know, especially those who have been living alone, you know, mental health issues have gone up. Loneliness and depression have gone up because if you're living alone, you know one to talk to. And, and your whole world is through a, a, a window, right? A Zoom or Microsoft, or whatever. And, uh, and you know, there's no hanging out. You don't see anybody. I mean, let's face it, Frida. I live 
with people around and, you know, I have a family, my daughter and living across in the other block and we do see each other and already I'm just feeling so many of my friends who are outgoing, even though the introverts are beginning to feel very, you know, right? They say terkongkong, you know what I mean? So, um, so when they go to the office, I think when people go to the office after this, right, when they have that hybrid thing, they will want to have more meaningful interaction. Yeah. So your meetings all better be spot on, sharp, succinct. You know? As it should be. Right. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, just, you know, for the good conversation. But at, at the same time, right. So I was just uh, uh, sharing some, uh, you know, Audrey from the office was just saying that she, she has a cousin uh, uh, who, you know, got employed during the pandemic. They were get they, he was, a laptop was, you know, grabbed, delivered to the house. And uh, it was very difficult because he didn't know who else to work with other than the immediate supervisor because it was an organization. You know, there's just all these people that they should have met, but you don't know what the connections are had you not worked. And I was just sharing like, you know, because, um, you know, of the team that we're now working and we're in two separate teams, had it been because we know we have that relationship before, it was easier. But had we not known each other, um, you know, you don't know what each other's styles are. You don't know what they bring. So it's, it's a little bit difficult. And even the interns, right, they have not been able to come to office. We're not able to offer to teach them the best ability because uh, there are a lot of things that they have to do and we, we don't get to know the interns on a more intimate level or to be able to give them a more interesting projects because we don't know the, the individual as well, right? So this, this, this has been some of the, the, the challenges. Um, we're talking about uh, working in the future here with Sheila Singer from Human Equation. Uh, we'll continue a discussion about this after this. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Race Your Game. We're talking about working in the future. I have with me Sheila Singham from Human Equation. It's the last Monday of the month. And, you know, we were talking about uh, expectations from employees about working in the future uh, when the pandemic ends. But what about um, the physical workspace itself? Will expectations change? I think they will somewhat, okay? Um, the first thing is when people go back to the office, they want to know that it's a safe environment. So companies have to be, you know, health has become a major consideration now. Everyone just wants to make sure that wherever they go, it's safe. So employers will have to actually um, allow uh, or put in place infrastructure to make sure the office is clean, it's sanitized, people coming and going are checked regularly, even the cleaners, even visitors, maybe to minimize exposure of the staff, even for the staff who are there two days a week, they want to know it's safe. And, you know, and, and, you know, if you're working with international companies now that they got very strict SOPs in place, you need to listen. Employee rights are very important. So if the employee says, no, I don't feel safe. I've got high risk people at home. I really don't feel safe coming to the office the way y'all are handling things at the office. I'm not going to come. They have to respect that. So I think Malaysian employers also will have to jump onto that bandwagon to listen to their people. 
right? Because seriously, Fida, you just don't know who's been where. Mm. You know, you can put all the safety precautions in place, a temperature checks, la, this, la, that, la, fill in forms and sanitizer and all that. But if the fellow has already gone out and met someone and bringing it to the office, you know, you have to respect that. So that safety and all that is one aspect. I also suspect there might be a need to look at the aesthetics of the office. I mean, many of us live at home. Our homes are a sanctuary. You, you, you know, we, 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 you and I, we take a lot of pride in, in the setup of our homes and we we're working in the environment for one and a half um, years, right? So we can go to the kitchen, make ourselves a coffee, have be relaxed in the way we we work, we eat, and all that. Right. And we want to be surrounded by something that's comfortable, beautiful. So I think uh, you know, the people might, uh, the companies might need to allow employees maybe to re sort of structure and reorientate their workspace, put in a bit of something that's more aesthetically appealing, have like a in a community area where people can. And just sort of gather and talk and relax a bit right. and so on. Right. You know, and, and I think we also have to be mindful that uh, there are some people who want to go to the office. So we also have to cater to that because I was talking to a friend in Hong Kong and uh, people in Hong Kong want to go to the office because they don't want to be stuck in the shoeboxes mm. that they live in, right? So we are also, you know, like we're living in fairly comfortable homes, right? Not everyone has that privilege. So I think like, and then so coming to the workplace has to be something that I actually look forward to is, is a, a place that is not just aesthetically pleasing, but I feel at home mm. so that I can be productive, right? So these are the tangibles. What are the intangibles? Okay, so in terms of the intangibles, I think we're coming to a place where employees are going to want to call the shots Right. In the old world, the employers dictated how work was done, how the environment was, where you sit, which room you get, don't get. But, you know, they can't do that anymore. Right? they got to start listening to what people want. So what people want to see today in the world is empathy. We, I think we've developed more of a social conscience today when we see the number of people who are literally starving out there, got no food and all that. I think many of us out there have just sort of, you know, uh, silently, anonymously just donated money here, there, put in someone's account, uh, bought food to send here and there and all that. So we've been through, many of us, what is the worst period of our lives? Maybe not my mother's generation. For them, the worst thing was the Second World War, right? But I think this is like a close second, I know. (laughs) It's a viral, it's a viral war. Correct. Correct. So people want to see that their employers have behaved with compassion towards all stakeholders as well as, you know, external stakeholders, right? So how do companies treat staff who have lost family members to the disease or staff whose household income was reduced by a spouse who was laid out? So I remember sort of listening to like RHB Bank last year, as soon as the pandemic hit, some of the family members of uh, of employees were laid off and they collected a fund amongst the employees and they did a collection wow. to give to these employees, you know, to, to sort of help with the household right. income. I thought that was awesome. So what about employers, mm. uh, you know, employees who can't get, bring in foreign maids or can't send their children to daycare because of course they're scared. All right. So, People will want to see more understanding and flexibility about their... You see, home and and work have merged in the past one and a half years. There is no clear separation in a sense. 
So I think people have got used to that. And they want, will want employers to not just see them as human resource or personnel per se, but as human, as human beings with lives outside of the office. So they will want employers to express care and concern, not just for themselves as employees, but for families, for the community. How do employers, what sort of corporate social responsibility plans do empo- uh, employers have in place? And they also, this is very important, they'll want to be treated very fairly, right? You can't just decide, oh, this group of people must come to the office five days, you all can work from home. There must be some sort of fairness in that decision. And they will want a more consultative approach to leadership management. Look, listen, the attitudes like this, right? During a pandemic, we stayed at home and we continued working and we kept this business going. So in a way, we have ownership of the business. So now you cannot go back to like, okay, you decide and then tell us when we do. We want to be consulted. We want you to tell us where we're going. What's the vision? What's the risk, you know, management contingency plans for sustainability? Should something else like this happen again? All right. Um, and also, you know, uh, what adjustments will companies have to make to accommodate all this? First of all, it comes from the mindset. Mindsets have to change. Okay. Companies, employers have to now sit down and re-strategize. They will go back, think strategically, come up with a plan, and they have to be really agile. And, and for me, it's always going back and listening to your stakeholders. So first thing, they need to put in place the infrastructure that will allow people to work remotely from geographical, different geographical locations. Okay. And of course, some people say, oh, you know, security levels. I, I, I'm Sometimes I'm doing training with people and they won't even allow me to open a learning management platform to park stuff and give their people access. So, you know, that kind of thinking, put in your security levels, if you was, invest in technology to make it convenient and safe. But you cannot hold on to those old rigid right. rules if you want people to learn and grow and, and collaborate and so on. Right. So again... HR policies carved in stone will need to be thrown, you know, just break those stone tablets now (laughs) and rewrite them virtually or whatever. You need to adapt to the new way of working. You need to have clearly outlined expectations, like what you said earlier, right? People coming into the new job, but they got no one to turn to. They don't quite know what to do, who even to collaborate with. So your onboarding system, if it's going to be like virtual, it's got to be really spot on. Um, you know, you got to make people feel really welcome when they come into your organizations. And that sense of inclusivity that needs to be you know, promoted all the way. Um, so, of, of course, again, we need to change the way we do appraisals. Mm. Okay, it's, it's no longer about how many hours you went office, whether you came late or not, collaborative or not. It, it's got to be very, you know, sort of slanted towards your deliverables, your sense of responsibility and ownership and so on. Another thing that we really need to do, employers really need to start doing, is they need to start trusting their people. Hmm. This entire workforce of yours stayed at home with all the problems they still managed to deliver and keep your business going. They are trustworthy. Hmm. That mindset that oh, people need to be under my nose for, for them to you know, deliver, it cannot. People are so used to, to this that if you can't trust them in, you know, if you can trust them in a pandemic, 
Right. Why can't you trust them after a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Another thing I'm getting more requests for from companies is to have more communication, engagement, meaningful trainings on meaningful conversations. And so this is more important than ever. Like when we are feeling isolated, we can't go to the water cooler, coffee break, you know, go to the corridor, have a cigarette with your friend and talk about your problems. This is where employers need to be very, very um, sort of astute. There's actually apps out there, which when someone is on Zoom, can sort of look at their physiological changes and to know whether they are in a state of stress or, you know, Mm. tension or something's going on. So, you know, if you can afford it to engage, uh, to uh, uh, employ such methods to find out what your employees are going through, maybe if you can't, then have conversation. First thing that many things, the first thing I teach in the Meaningful Conversations workshop is, Go and ask your employees about their needs and desires and aspirations and challenges and so on. And I make some uh, people do this in the workshop with each other, right? Managers and leaders. And they come out of it and say, wow, nobody has ever asked me that. I know it's just an exercise, Sheila, but it's so liberating. So these are conversations we need to have. And, And big thing is giving people access to physical and mental health sort of facilities, whether it's workshop or an app or something, access to emotional care consultants. So this is a concept that, you know, it's not new per se in Malaysia maybe, but some Western countries in a very high pressured environment, right, where especially in financial services and all that, right, wealth management and all that, they actually employ in-house therapists, psychologists mm. that people have recourse to at any time. Make an appointment, go sit down, talk, download and all that. So maybe there is a need now for companies to consider these emotional care consultants. Mm. I don't want even to call it mental health because not everyone has mental health issues. And of course, there's some people who are wary of that sort of you know label emotional care consultants Mm. you don't necessarily need to be a psychologist or therapist you just need to be maybe trained to listen Mm. and to maybe guide that person coaches who can guide that person through the journey or whatever they're going through sometimes all it needs is a 10-minute conversation with someone for you to just undownload or unload and feel better for the rest of the day right i i have sheila singham to unload You do, and I have Frida Liu to unload on to sometimes. <laughs> I, I think also this is something that I was reading from uh, Hetel Doshi from Osaik, and she says the lack of mental, uh, the lack of mental illness does not mean the presence of mental health, yes. right? Just because you're not mentally ill doesn't mean that you could be mentally healthy, right? There are issues, and sometimes it's just like you said, you know, I can have that conversation, just ten minutes to download, and then. I, I feel so much better after that, right? And and that comes from organizations, I guess, uh, to have some compassion, to have some care, to have empathy, uh, and to listen, right? Uh, thanks for spending time with us again. Uh, of course, she'll join us the last Monday of next month. Sheila Singham from Human Equation talking about uh, working uh, in the future. BFF 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.